All right, if you take God's precious word and turn to Proverbs chapter 2. Proverbs chapter 2. God willing, we'll be expounding verses 18 and 19. And you folks online, I want to go ahead and apologize to you ahead of time. I did not get the uh, 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 verses, the auxiliary verses to, uh, the, to our technical team. I like calling them that. Uh, it makes us sound like we're a really big outfit. Our, to our technical team, uh, in time to have them put the, um, the Scripture verses on there for you. So you'll just have to listen close or turn quickly in your Bibles. Okay, the old-fashioned way. So, God will be expounding verses 18 and 19. The title of this message is Paths of No Return. Paths of No Return. We've been learning about people who fail to walk in the paths that God's given us in His Word. And last week we learned about the danger of getting involved with a woman that does not belong to you. Or in that case, a man that does not belong to you. And whether that's through adultery of a married man, or of fornication with a single man, getting involved with a woman that does not belong to you. Again, this applies to men as well as women. However, since uh, men are more prone to stumble in sexual sins than a woman is, uh, this is uh, addressed to a man here in the Proverbs. We all have our weaknesses uh, as human beings and genders have more different weaknesses than men do. They just do. You look at crimes committed. Uh, you're going to think of a, uh, a mass shooter. How many of y'all think of a woman out there strapped with a you know, You just don't think of it. Now you think of uh, uh, um, embezzling money from a bank. There's your woman right there now. Our forging checks, they like doing that, okay? But uh, we all have our weaknesses, you know, in the flesh. And, uh, and for a man, that is uh, sexual sin. And in verse 17 and 18 last week, Solomon described the type of woman who abandoned her first husband and broke her marriage vows. And we talked about uh, that being a, a tendency, a soft spot of an area that a woman can really fail in is not keeping her commitment, especially when she begins midlifing. And uh, we learn that she was a type of woman that a man needs to avoid, at least while she thinks that way, unless she's repented and, and turned to the Lord. But that type of woman is a dangerous enemy that a man needs to be delivered from. And in verse 19 tonight, Solomon continues speaking about the dangers of getting involved with the adulterous woman. He says, men need to be delivered from her. Look in your text now in verse 18. He needs to be delivered from her. Why? For her house inclineth unto death. Her house inclineth unto death. Now the word incline here doesn't mean incline such as an elevated plane. Like, well, there's an incline right there, you know. It rolls uphill or goes uphill. So it's not incline versus decline. But it means incline in the sense where we would say, well, you know, well, do you like, uh, do you like to work with your hands or do you like to, you know, work behind a desk? 
And someone may say, well, I'm more inclined to work behind a desk, right? We would use that word that way. And so uh, that's the way the word is used here. The Greek word that's translated inclineth here actually means to bend downward, which would be the opposite of incline, right? It means to bend downward. And New King James translates this, uh, this portion this way. Translates it saying, her house leads down to death. Her house leads down to death. And so when you start down the path of adultery, you start down a path that leads you away from the full and abundant life that God wants you to enjoy. Relationship with an adulterous woman leads down to death, Solomon says. So that relationship, understand, it leads you downward to death rather than upward to life. Okay? I remember uh, some of y'all will know this right off. Some of y'all will not. But there used to be a sitcom on television many years ago, back in the day, with George Jefferson. What was George Jefferson doing, brother? He was moving on up. And so the idea of going up has the idea of progression. The idea of going down has the idea of decline, you know, digression, digression. And so with the stock market, we're glad when it goes up. We're sad when it goes down. And so uh, when you go and you get involved in an adulterous life, it leads you down, Solomon says, to death rather than moves you on up in life. When a person is tempted to commit adultery, they always imagine and they begin rationalizing why that relationship is really going to work out for them. I mean, if they get involved with this woman, this adulterous woman, they begin to think how that relationship would improve their lives. They see it as something new and exciting, first and foremost. Makes them feel like a teenager again, you know. They imagine all the pleasure that relationship is going to bring them. They daydream about it. They see their relationship with the adulterous woman possibly as a way to escape a perceived trap that they're in at home with their wife. So they view their affair with this woman or this man, if it's a woman, as something that's going to add value to their life. But Solomon says, no, 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 no. Let me tell you how it really is. Her house leads down to death. In other words, an adulterous relationship will not add to your life. It will take away from it. Mark this down. Sin always takes more than it gives. Sin will give you something. It will give you something. But it will take in exchange from you for what it gives to you. And sin will always take more from you than what it gives to you. That's going to be the same every time. And sin, when it comes to sexual sin, 
will cause you to lose on a grand scale. It's going to take a lot from you. Solomon said her house inclines down to death. Look back in your text. And her paths unto the dead. That's where it leads. It leads to the dead. And, and, and so the, not, not death but the dead. Talking about all the victims that have been slain. That have been uh, uh, become prey to the sin of adultery in the past. So the idea that Solomon is painting here is like there's some kind of mass grave. And some young man, some foolish young man, starts going after that adulterous woman like all these people in the past for all these years have done. And he thinks somehow he's going to be able to outfox that sin and, and, and get by with it without losing so much. And so he walks that way, he enters into her house, and he slips down in the end, and he's collected right along with the rest of those smart people that thought they could get away with it too. They thought it wasn't going to do them any harm too. It leads down to, to, to the dead. In other words, it makes them a victim just like everybody else. If you would, take your pens and underscore the word dead. Dead. I worked a lot of bad car crashes in my time. Brother Shepherd's worked a lot of bad car crashes. And when there is life, there's always hope. You know, there's always hope that a family member who's been involved in a crash is going to pull through. I went to go visit a pastor one time whose daughter was involved in a crash up in Dallas. And I remember looking uh, at his daughter and they had her, you know, on a ventilator and, and her brain was swelling. And, you know, once it gets so much pressure, there's not a whole lot you can do with it. And, and, but while she was living, there was hope. Hope that it would turn around. Hope that things would work out right. But eventually she passed away. She never left the hospital. So there's always hope when there's life. But when you learn your loved one is dead. All hope is lost that they'll be coming back home. Why? Because as far as this life is concerned. Death is permanent. Her paths lead unto the dead. Death is Permanent. And so are the many things you'll lose in your adulterous relationship. First of all, here's some things that are going to be dead. First of all, you'll lose your honor. You'll lose your honor. There's a neighbor that lives uh, on another block in my neighborhood. And when he was a young man... uh, I know the story of him and his wife. They're living in a nice home in the neighborhood. But when he was a young man, uh, he slipped by this woman's home, the woman he's married to now. And uh, he um, snuck into her house with that, that when she was married with her by her invitation. And began uh, engaging in an adulterous relationship with her. And one of the neighbors 
being a good conscientious neighbor, picked up the phone and called the husband. Said, hey, you might want to come home. You got a visitor over there. Husband comes home and whoops that guy good. It's a good thing he didn't kill him. As I would be inclined to do. So he gives the guy a good old-fashioned whooping. Well, the guy ends up taking the man's wife, and now he's living with her in my neighborhood. And he holds quite a bit of respect in the community. At the same time, when people talk about him and his wife, that story seems to always come up. Comes up. They know the history behind it. And you'll lose your honor. That part of your honor will be dead. It will die. Your spouse, if you remain married after you commit adultery, your spouse will lose the ability to trust you. If you committed adultery in the past and you remarry someone else, and that spouse knows you committed adultery in the past, they will still have in the back of their mind, can I trust her? Can I trust him? I've heard wonderful stories where the wife forgave her husband after he cheated on her. Even multiple times. And how they were able to salvage that marriage. And we thank God for that. But the beautiful purity of that marriage bond after adultery is dead forever. It's dead. You'll lose your stability of your home. It just will not be as stable as it was before. You know what happens a lot of times even after the spouse forgives and the marriage is restored? You know what happens a lot of times? There will be an argument come up. And in that argument, the spouse that has been violated will reach back in the past and bring it up and remind them about it. It doesn't go away. It doesn't go away. Here's a good one for you. Here's something else that will be dead. That's the respect your children had for you. That will be dead. They'll still love you. They will still love you with all of their hearts. But their respect that they once had for you, that part of that will die. They may respect you, but they, mark it down, will disrespect you. For cheating on their mama. Or cheating on their daddy. They will disrespect you. And most importantly. You know what else will die? You'll lose the example. Of faithfulness. That you could. Have set for your children. That opportunity. To have set before their eyes. Growing up into their adulthood. Of one man, one woman, keeping your vow till death do you part and remaining faithful to your spouse, the opportunity to provide that example for your children will be dead forever. If that's all I lost, that would be enough to not commit adultery. Solomon said, look down in verse 19, none that go unto her return again. And the Greek word here that's translated uh, uh, return again, that means to arrive back at the starting point. 
to arrive back at the starting point. So before I commit adultery, I'm at this point right here. I walk down that path that leads to the dead. The sin has been committed. And I never make it back to that starting point right here before the sin was committed. Not possible. Won't happen. None that go unto her return again. Once you've made that journey into adultery, you can never go back to the same place where you were. It's simply not possible. You can be forgiven, but you can never be the same. Suppose a young man goes into a strange woman before he's married. He's a young man. Maybe he's in high school. Maybe he's in college. He's not married. Maybe he goes to a harlot's house. Maybe he commits fornication with some woman. And, 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 and when he does, he loses his virginity. That's gone. It's dead. Can't be taken back. A few years later, maybe he finishes college. He meets another woman, a, a fine young woman, and they both get married. And those two people can both live a wonderful life together. They can both enjoy a close relationship to God for the rest of their lives. Thank God for that. But that young man can never return back to the place where he was before he committed fornication. I heard a story once about a very wholesome young woman who was in school and she was a virgin. And I heard the story that there was this uh, trashy woman, trashy young woman there at the school, one of her classmates, and she was making fun of her for being an inexperienced woman, putting her down. And the way the story goes, that young woman, the wholesome young woman, virgin, looked at that more experienced, trashier young lady, and she told her, I can be like you anytime I want to, but you can never be like me again. And that young man in the same way, he can enjoy a wonderful life with his new bride, but he can never return to the place he was before his fornication. And as he loves his wife, their wedding night will not be as special as it should have been. It won't be because it no longer can be. He can't remember what he once was. And the memories of that young man will haunt him. If he's a Christian, it may haunt his prayer life. The guilt may begin to rise up even decades later. I've talked to people who write in for help on the website, and they are plagued by sexual sins they committed long in the past. It never lets them go. Not only that, but the knowledge of that other woman will always lurk in the memory of his new bride. Especially she's in the same town. She's got to go to Walmart and see her. That happens. 
Some sins have permanent consequences. And some sexual sins take even more from their victims. Many men will have the heartache of paying child support for children they never have the privilege of raising. Happens all the time. Some men never even learn that they have a child until after the child is grown. And then they have the uncomfortable, awkward situation of having to explain to their children and to their wife about this child. they got to look at their children who may be almost grown and have to look at them explain that, okay, you have a brother or a sister, an older brother or sister, that you do not know, that I didn't even know from a relationship daddy had when he was young. Yuck. Who wants to do that with your kids? A man Tammy knows took one of those DNA tests. Boy, they're popular. I saw someone on Facebook the other day. They were about to take that 23andMe or whatever it is. And they said, oh, I can't wait to take this. Why? They want to see, am I really part Indian? You know? And... Uh, you know, they, they, they want to see, you know, what, what am I made of? And, 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 and maybe trace back their genealogy or something. So he was excited about taking it. You know, a lot of people give folks that for Christmas or for a birthday gift or something. So he took the test and he didn't find out so much about his DNA profile like he was expecting. I mean, he may have, but that wasn't the big thing. The big thing was he found out he had a son. A grown man that he never knew about. He went his entire life not knowing he had a son. He missed out on everything. Beware, Solomon says. For the strange woman has sticky hands. Once she grabs hold of you, you're stuck. Your time with her will never let you go. You see? It will follow you the rest of your life. If you're taking notes, write down Ecclesiastes chapter 7. Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 26. I want to read to you. Now remember, Solomon wrote Ecclesiastes as well as Proverbs. Okay? So we're going to hear from the same writer that we're reading from tonight. Ecclesiastes chapter 7 verse 26, Solomon said, And I find more bitter than death the woman whose heart is snares and nets and her hands as bands, like bands that tie. He says, Whoso pleaseth God shall escape from her, but the sinner shall be taken by her. So her heart, Solomon says, is snares and nets. You know what a snare is, right? That's something an animal gets trapped in, a, a net, something that, you know, the prey gets gets entangled in, and her hands are like bands. They just latch hold of you, kind of like handcuffs. And, and you may think that that woman loves you. She may pour on the charm. She may bat her eyes. She may flatter you with her smooth words, as Solomon says. But in spite of... Of how you feel about that adulterous woman. Her heart is not full of love. 
It is full of snares and nets to trap you with. When her hands embrace you, they may feel like they're freeing you from your situation at home. But those hands are actually bands that bind you. King David found that out after going into the strange woman. And guess who that was? Solomon's mother. Solomon was well acquainted with this sin and what his daddy had to go through. And after King David went into the strange woman, Bathsheba, trouble never left his home. If you're taking notes or you want to write this down your margin, it's 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 9 through 10. 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 9 through 10. There God told David this. God said, wherefore or why have you despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? Thou hast killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword and have taken his wife to be your wife and have slain him with the sword of the children of Ammon. Now, therefore, the sword shall never depart from your house because thou hast despised me and hast taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be thy wife. Hear what God told David? The sword shall never depart from your house. In other words, none that go unto her return again. Look back in your text and we'll go ahead and close out. Neither take they hold of the paths of life. Those that take the road to death don't reach the road to life. A guy I used to know, anytime someone would ask him directions, he'd say, you can't get there from here. <laughs> and it would mess with their minds. But in the same way, you can't get there. You can't get to life by taking the path to death. Those that take that road don't reach the path of life. This does not mean now that a person who commits adultery will never be restored back to their walk with God. It doesn't mean that. Remember, God's gracious. He's merciful. But Solomon is giving us a concept, a mental image of men who enter the house of a strange woman. When I was studying this, I couldn't help but think back to those old cowboy movies. And they're going along on their horse, and boy, they don't have much water. They got a long journey to the next town. They're thirsty. And they look over, and they say, well, there's a shortcut right there. We go through those hills. And the person that's local says, oh, no, that's Apache country. Don't want to go through there. You go there, you'll never come back out again. You'll get scalped, you know. They'll kill you. And they don't want to go through there. They don't cut through the hills. Everybody knows that. And so that's the imagery that Solomon is giving us here. Man, whoever goes there, that strange woman country, they check in, but they don't check out. She'll get your scalp. That's the idea Solomon is giving us here. And uh, uh, someone, you know, might say, well, well, I'll go in there. But the idea here that Solomon is giving us that this woman is a fierce foe who destroys her companions. It is not to be taken lightly. In another place, it says she has slain her strong men. One translation puts it this way. Visit her 
and you'll never find the road to life again. There's one particular man that I know about who came to mind when I was studying for this message. When he was young, he started visiting strange women, being unfaithful to his wife. And once he made a, uh, once he made a, uh, uh, a, uh, a choice to do that, it started taking him down that slippery slope. He tried to come back. He even made a vow uh, to stop cheating on his wife. But he, he found he couldn't. So he eventually left his wife for someone else. Someone new and exciting. And then he found someone else. New and exciting. He found someone else. New and exciting. You know what happened after a while? They may be new. It's no longer exciting. He lost his family. He's been with so many different women now and none can satisfy him. Remember, people who are quick to sleep with you will be just as quick to walk away. He walked the path to the strange woman's house. They promised him fun. They promised him adventure. They promised him pleasure. They promised him the feeling of being some kind of manly kind of man. They promised him far greater satisfaction than being faithful to one's spouse like God says. Oh, don't take that road. God's road's boring. Take this road. They promised him all those things. But the strange woman lied. And now he's been caught in the snare of feeling lonely, unloved, and unsatisfied. Sin always takes more than it gives. He will never enjoy the fulfillment of holy matrimony. Because he's gone so far down that path, he can't find his way back. It's not recoverable now, you see. Sexual sins will destroy your mind They will enslave your thought life. Men like that to start making those choices after a while. Everything they see has a sexual slant to it. You ever been around somebody that they make a joke and every joke, whatever's happening, it can be the most innocent thing and they'll try to turn into a sexual joke. You ever been anyone around like that? Their mind enslaves them. That part of the purity of their mind is dead. Strange woman will cause you to view everything with a dirty sexual slant. One day, I was on my way to interview someone in Anderson County, and there was a, a, a big forest over there, and my GPS sent me down a road that was not meant to travel. I guess it saw, you know, a, a logging road or something like that, and it, and but it was not a, a public roadway. But it sent me down there, and I followed, and everything. It seemed very, very, very old-fashioned, you know. But uh, I thought, well, that's okay. My GPS sent me down here. And, uh, but the, the further I went down the road into the forest, the more narrow that road started to get in big ruts and stuff to where finally I got down, and it was absolutely impassable. And I'm like, oh, boy, what do I do? You can't turn around. Like, what do I do now? So I put it in reverse. Boy, I I went a long way in reverse. 
And I was praying the whole way that God let me get out of there. And I managed to get out only losing a rearview mirror. Got knocked off by a tree limb. I mean, it was bad. It was bad. But the path, the path finally got so narrow, I, I just couldn't, I couldn't turn around. If I'd gone much further, I, I couldn't have made my way out. It would not would have would not been possible. Not even backing, it would have gotten impossible. So be careful, because some roads we take in life, once you've gone so far. Those roads provide no way to return back home. Paths of no return. And with that, we'll go ahead and stop tonight. And Lord willing, we'll take back up in our next verse next Wednesday. Sobering words from the prophet Solomon. Boy, how we need to take heed. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you tonight. We thank you so much for your precious word. We thank you so much for the admonition. That you give us. Lord let us obey this father. Not only in physical action. But let us be obedient to this command. Let us let our minds not travel down the road to the strange woman. Let our hearts Lord. uh, Be faithful to you. If we are single. And to our spouse. If we are married. And of course, that's being faithful to you. But I just pray for faithfulness, even in our hearts, that we will not entertain such lusts and then make them normal in our thoughts and then make us susceptible to carrying them out. We love you so much. Thank you for being so kind to tell us like it is and to warn your servants. In Jesus' precious name, amen.